Welcome to a 60-second episode of Breaking Bread with C. My name is Celeste Mundu. I am your host on this podcast. Last time I spoke about what it means to delight in Christ, to delight in belonging to Christ, and to delight at every thought of Christ. A complete love for Jesus really encompasses all three of these aspects, and this is what genuinely equips us with the right posture and tools to slay unbelief from our hearts. For example, when you delight in the person of Jesus Christ, you study him as a pattern, you study his ways of speaking, of talking, because the only reason God sent his only son, fully God and fully man, he came in the form of a man to show us that whatever we are being asked by this word is not impossible. It's to show us that it it can actually be done in the capacity in which we live today as men and women. It can be done regardless that we are still in the earth. It can be done regardless that we are still um, being tempted by different things. But it all boils down to the degree to which you have learned to love the Christ and to receive from him, receive what he shows you, receive the convictions of the spirit, align yourself to it, know when you're wrong, repent and strive to be in the right path. And delighting at the idea of belonging to Christ, if for example, um, you have a child, right? You are proud of your child whenever they do something that really shows you that they have heard and implemented the instructions that you gave them or the things that you don't like. I'll give you a little example. Me and my siblings um, grew up, all of us together, obviously, and then my mother is somebody who doesn't like people who eat from their bedroom now this is not to judge you if you do that honestly but in our house it it was something that you could never dare do or think about so even now that we are all adults that we we don't even live together we don't even live in the same places but it's a thing even for us So even our friends, when they visit, for example, they know that they cannot eat in the bedroom because they've never seen me or any of my siblings do it, even if it was their space. Now, that's something that was planted in our minds from like the beginning of the ages, and it will be very hard to remove it from our minds and our hearts now. Now, when she realizes when our mother realizes that that's something that has sunk in so deep that it cannot be uprooted from her heart then she is delighted in the fact that it has worked that it has landed and she can say truly this is my child because they are genuinely aligned to the things i have taught them So even delighting in belonging to Christ is taking pride in the things that make you appear as one who belongs to Christ. Do you dress modestly? Do you watch your language and make sure that there is no cuss word that ever comes out of your mouth regardless of how heated an argument could be? Do you... um, 
enjoy in like serving in the house of the Lord? Do you do so diligently because you're not getting paid for it? I could give you example upon example, but the things that you do show you what you delight into and how you may delight to belonging to a certain university, to belonging to a certain company, like working with a certain company and you are not ashamed to represent it. You're not ashamed to walk around wearing branded t-shirts or having a branded mug or something like that. And the last is to delight at the very thought of Christ. To, to, to just wonder and be in a position where everything you're going to do, you don't shy away from asking, Lord, what do you think about it? What do you think about it if I paint my nails? What do you think about it if I cut my hair? What do you think about it? If I take my child to this school, what do you think about it if I just exchange my phone for another one? Like, there are things that many people don't even bother ask God. But then you realize that if you make it a practice to ask God even all this mundane little details, you'll be surprised that he has an opinion about that. You'll be surprised how many times you walk to do something that you think doesn't harm you or harm anybody else. But truly, the intention that's accompanying it or the root from where it has come in your heart is actually grievous to the spirit of the Lord. So it takes a, a death of the of the flesh to know that you can ask the Lord if you are going to paint your nails that time. And uh, I think that was such um, a moment that was convicting even for me to, as I was studying to, 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 to publish that podcast. And I encourage you to listen to it, especially if you are at a time where you do not really understand why you do some of the things that you do, or why the, the word of God demands certain things of us. And I think the spirit is so intentional that it brought it through um, one of the books that's just considered a romantic book but what more than love driving you to do all the things that you do and that's why that podcast came from the songs of songs now today i would advise that you budget for a little over 30 minutes because i'm going to speak about a subject that i'm very passionate about but that i think at this point um the lord has released me to share more on it and that is the fundamental principles of biblical interpretation how do we interpret what we read how do we make sure we don't take it out of context how do we make sure that it is saying what it is saying and not what we want it to say so the spirit laid it on my heart to share on the most basic and the most fundamental principles um, that we should be able to apply. It doesn't matter if you're a seminary student. It doesn't matter if you are not. It doesn't matter if you're a minister who goes on the pulpit to teach others. It doesn't matter what level or what degree you are on. What is important is that the word of God belongs to all of us and the word of God is for all of us. You have it in you by the spirit of the Lord that you have inherited when you when you confess Christ as Lord and Savior to understand this word and to live according to it. It's not limited to a certain kind of people. If you believe in the Lord, if you believe that he died and rose again for your glory, then this is for you. So it is of great importance importance that whatever we take away from the Bible keeps God at the center of every text. You must understand that 
every scripture is breathed by God. It is profitable for reproof. It is profitable for doctrine. It is profitable for correction. It is profitable for righteousness so that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Second Timothy, Second Timothy um, chapter 3 verse 16. And I think um, those words just flowed out of my mouth. But a, a second point that I want you to, to keep at the center of your mind as we go through this podcast is that it must also emphasize the, the, the supremacy of Christ, not just as our Savior, but also as our Lord. So when we make our confession of faith, we say, um, Lord Jesus, I received you. Um, I received you to be my Lord and Savior. I believe that you died and rose again for my glory, that you died for my sin and rose for my glory. Come be Lord. And yeah, I mean, it's very important to understand that we cannot just take one aspect of that confession. Uh, many people don't mind Christ being their savior that is dying for them, that is changing their lives, that is making them healthy, that is making them wealthy, that is making them great additions to society that have no shame following them wherever they go. But many begin to struggle at the part of him being Lord because Lordship demands a certain authority over you. And it also demands a certain handover of, of control to another. This other is the spirit of the Lord at work in you. This demands a restraint where you don't just give in to everything that you used to give in to as you pleased before you, you, you received this Christ. The concept of Christ becoming one with us means that what you are doing, you're not doing it separate from Christ. What you are thinking, you're not doing it separate from Christ. You see, when you're wearing a white shirt and you're probably just about to eat isombe, for example, or whatever vegetables in your culture, you who's listening to me that have a tough stain that cannot get off, or even coffee, let's make your coffee, it's pretty um, across the board. The board. If you are about to drink coffee and you're wearing all white, you are diligent to make sure that you don't spill your coffee on your all white outfit. Because washing a coffee stain is so hard, especially from a white outfit. So it's not like that when it comes to Christ. He's not somebody we can remove. He's not the white outfit we can remove or fold or put on the side when we are about to engage in a certain sin that grieves his spirit consciously and willingly. That's not what we do. So sometimes it's as if people believe that when they're about to engage in a sin willfully and out of their own choice, they are going to put Jesus on the side like you would a white shirt so that you don't stain it with coffee. But it doesn't work like that. Once you have received him, you don't lose him. Yes, the voice of God might be quiet because of how much you have quenched it. Yes, you might not see results because there are principles and patterns that God cannot break to make you happy. 
um, because even when we are faithless, he remains faithful. Yes, there are things that will not operate. There is a, a vindication of the spirit that will not be apparent in your life because of the ways in which you have decided to leave even after salvation. But Jesus does not depart from you. And the moment you're ready to return, you say, Lord, help me. And that is where repentance comes in. And he forgives you and your slate is clean and you go ahead like you never did. So nobody ever loses their salvation. But there are fruits, there are privileges, there are encounters that you are not able to receive based on how you have decided to live your life even after you came to this understanding and encounter of the saving knowledge of Christ. So the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, Paul tells Timothy, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Be diligent to present yourself approved by God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, and who rightly divides the word of truth. That word approved, in ancient world, obviously there was no banking system like we do today, and there was no paper money. If you have watched all those old Jesus movies, for example, you'll see that people have coins. And so this money was always made for metal. And so it's heated, it's poured as a liquid, it's put, it's poured into molds and they allow it to cool. But when these coins are cooled, of course, there are coins that had been maybe manufactured in the same molds before. And there could be a few metal debris. There could be maybe a coin that touched a wrong surface while it was falling as a liquid. So they have to also get into a process of making it smooth and just um, making the, the rough edges seem correct directly smooth and so these coins become soft and of course many people um, stay close to like make sure they shave them correctly and the coin looks um, presentable or legit so now there are people who would make fake money like there are people who make fake money today but there are also many many men who had a lot of integrity and who would not accept any counterfeit neither give it to other people so when paul says show yourself accepted he uses this greek word called the kimos which means this kind of men who were um, who were of integrity and who would not allow to receive nor give counterfeit money to their clients. So he uses a difficult and meaningful term of that time to show the one thing that was seriously punished by government, seriously punished by anyone who would get into the practice of fake money. And he tells Timothy, you have to be uh, accepted. You have to be pleasing to God as this man would be if he's a man of integrity. You have to know that whatever you are learning, whatever you are taking from the word of God, you, you yourself are approved of it. There are things that you might do that if I do them, 
as the one who is sharing this word with you, I would get harder chastisement than you would. There are things that you can easily get away with that I can't because of the call that is upon my life or the assignment that is upon my life. There are things that I cannot stand on the pulpit and preach until I am tested and proven in those same things. That if God appeared in that moment, truly, truly, he would find that there is not a single shadow of what I am telling others not to do present in my life. So the place of sharing the gospel, teaching the gospel, is one that must approve of you. And if there is anything, if you're a minister and you're listening to me, if there is anything that you can ever avoid by the wisdom of God, is to teach something that God has not done in you. It's to bring about something that the Lord has not already performed in you, that you know you were tested about and you are not about to repeat it. I think Paul talks about it in Romans 15, 18, where he says, I will not dare to speak of any of the things which Christ has not wrought by me. That word wrought by me means he's not yet performed them in me. I cannot preach about something that I have not yet been tested and proven about. I cannot preach about um, what, 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 what example can I give? Holy Spirit, help me. You know, you cannot say I'm. You cannot say I'm going to 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 do a deliverance meeting if you've never delivered anyone, if you've never cast out anything in the body of another individual, and it has worked because it requires a degree of faith and you have never exercised yourself in that faith so it's counterfeit because you're bringing it to this person yes the lord tells us that all these signs will follow those who believe but there's a place of faith a place of no doubt in your heart that perhaps you still don't have that you yourself might not even believe that casting demons is a thing and you cannot stand up and go and start teaching that very doctrine when you yourself you don't believe it there is a person who might believe it but has probably never seen it and the one experience that they get to see it or to do it in their works then they are qualified to do so because they have seen the pattern and they have walked through it so that is the place of approval when you read the word of god before you share it with anybody before the first face or person who has not lived by that word comes to your mind Use it as a reflective mirror with yourself and ask yourself, am I living by this? You cannot preach about modesty when you have days that you want to relax and you wear maybe a dress or a shirt that reveals a lot of a lot of your body parts. There are things that must qualify you. And this has to be consistent on the full spectrum. That means if you go in the church, you cannot be um, you cannot be tempted to hide if somebody meets you at the mall. You cannot be tempted to hide if somebody's going to meet you at a friend's birthday. You cannot be ashamed and hide if somebody's going to see you at the gym. And yes, the gym, many people take the gym as an opportunity to be naked. There are ways to be dressed at the gym accordingly for the task at hand, but also there are other ways that you can dress at the gym that are driven by a lustful intention. You want to show your body. 
But as a believer, your character has to be consistent across the board. Your character has to be proved, dokimos. It has to be tested and accepted and pleasant to the Lord. And another thing, part of this scripture, Paul tells Timothy, you have to be a good worker who does not need to be ashamed, like I said, because it's been approved, and rightly dividing the word of truth. The word rightly dividing, when you go into depth to study it, is as cutting straight or proceeding on straight paths or holding a straight course. It's people know that I have chosen to follow Christ and that's on that. So whatever thing you're going to bring my way, just know that I will first weigh it in the decision that I have made to follow Christ. And you have to be able to handle the word of God right. There are people who read scriptures, for example, and they go to 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 verses um like like blessed be the lord who has made us to be triumphant in every circumstance who blesses us with every uh, spiritual blessing in the heavenly places blessed be our lord who has made us um who has put us above and not beneath you know you go to ephesians 1 verse 3 you start to claim it you know with us uh, who who causes me to triumph who has chosen me who had seen me without blame before him and everything but they cannot stand the scriptures that say you shall not wear a man's garment as a woman you shall not wear a woman's garment as a man so there are individuals who choose what they want to take from scripture but disregard other things that they don't want to hear there are people who choose not to read the bible altogether because they are afraid that it is going to ask them to forsake some of the things that minister to their lust that minister to their desires that minister to their flesh and they're still enjoying those things so they'd rather not expose themselves to what asked them not to do it you know, the word of God must be complete. If you're going to take a passage in Ephesians or the promises that belong to the New Testament believer, you have to also be compliant of the of the of the instructions that led to that promise. And the instructions that led to that promise are the 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 rough one that says you'll be married to one woman. You, there are the same instructions that say the pattern of God is man and woman getting married, not what the world is trying to force on us. You have to be willing to tame those things that go against what the Lord has set as the right way. And the more you exercise yourself to tame what goes against the scriptures, what goes against the word of God and the heart of God and the idea of God and the wisdom of God, you come to the realization that it is not impossible. It is just a way of refusing to give in and indulge in every appetite that you want. I was having a conversation with one of my friends that um, has had past struggles with eating disorders and bulimia. And um, 
if if you might know what that is bulimia is the eating disorder that causes somebody to put on weight very fast until they can become obese while the opposite is anorexia which causes people to lose weight or to force themselves to eat a lot but then throw up so that they don't put on the weight of that food and i was trying to understand exactly what how like what happens in that process that causes someone to continuously eat because to be honest for me like i i I can't even handle food until i feel full i have to just eat enough to know that my body is going to be functional through that day and and that's about it i mean many people who know me tease me that they want to see the size of my stomach and I would love to see it (laughs) but um jokes aside she was explaining to me that uh the the pleasure that comes from eating something good or something that you're enjoying releases dopamine in your mind and for a person with bulimia you have indulged and stirred that so much that it is almost like it's impossible for that stimulation to be um to happen again in your mind so you have abused it so much that the release of pleasure is not there anymore because it's something that you do all the time every day you don't eat a good meal right let's be honest sometimes you'll cook something it will come out bomb and another time it will just be average so the moment you test a good meal, maybe you've gone out to a restaurant, maybe you've visited a friend who's a good cook, maybe you've, you know, whatever, you're eating your favorite dessert or whatever. Every time that happens, there is a release of dopamine and you're like, oh my God, I had the best food today at this restaurant. I had the best meal at so-and-so's house. And so for somebody with bulimia, they have done so much. They have overdone it so much that that hormone, that dopamine is not released anymore. And because it's not released anymore and they want to eat until they have that feeling again, they keep eating and eating and eating. But because those, 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 um, that part of their body has been overstimulated in the past and cannot produce that dopamine anymore, it becomes an addiction before you know it because you're constantly seeking for that high and that high won't come back. It's the same as alcohol. It's the same as cigarettes. It's the same as porn. It's the same as masturbation. It's the same as all of these things that end up becoming addictions into someone's life. Now, the reason I got a little bit shocked is because I had never looked at admitting disorder as as same as I would look as an alcohol addiction and that opened my eyes to realize that when we continue to respond to everything everything you want a nightstand you just engage in it you want this you just engage in it it's that one search of dopamine that never comes to an end but you are quenching the place that is of truth in your body you're you're quenching in your soul you're quenching the place that will convict you there are people like many people actually who are maybe um 
sex workers, right? They have quenched that part so much. Some of them that have given testimonies after they came to Christ, they will tell you, it's like, for me, having sex was like work. The same way you go and log in on your computer at work and you have a full seven-hour shift and you're focused and everything and you know that once you go past that door, you're not going to take work at home. You just know that you did your best within your seven-hour shift. It's the same way that this person considers lying down with another person because they have overdone it to an extent where there's no difference in the pleasure that should come from it according to the design of God within marriage between man and the woman that it makes no difference to them so Paul tells Timothy that you have to rightly divide the word of truth you have to Make sure that you are giving to the people what is true in any matter under consideration, without exception. You have to make sure that you are interpreting this thing according to truth, not according to emotions, not according to, not according to, to feelings, not according to present circumstance. We don't adjust the word of God to present I mean, we don't adjust the, the the word of God to present circumstances. We adjust the present circumstances to the word of God because it is the only thing that is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So what is true in things that pertain to God and his duties and the duties of us as men, moral, religious, um, ethical, all of this, you have to be able to give it. In the West, many people don't believe in healing. They don't believe in divine healing. They'll say, you know, God might never heal you of this, or God never does. But there are scriptures that tell us that by his stripes, we were healed. To begin with, it was not even God's intention for you to get sick to begin with. But because you don't believe that, you are literally cutting the hand of the Lord short. There are things that God has set for us to walk through by means of faith. And if the first thing you do is to not even believe that as a possibility, then it becomes hard because now I can't even pray for you to retrieve health and that you can be in divine health after you have experienced this healing. I first have to take the time to drive this false doctrine out of you by teaching you. And that's going to take even more time because I don't don't know when you will understand what I am teaching you so that now we can pray for healing and then keep the doctrine that I have given to you that is true pertaining who God really is and what his intention is so that you can use that to sustain your healing. So it becomes very hard to, um, to, to teach somebody outside of such an understanding or such a belief because in their hearts, they have already boxed God to be a certain way. Now, the second part is all scripture is given by inspiration of God. It is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 to 17. Now, Every 
word when the bible says all scripture is given by inspiration of god all scripture that means each every any all the whole all things that you will read in this bible are given for reproof they're given for correction they are complete they are full there is no advice that you will ever need that this book is not able to give you and even if it does not give it to you for example you might think that it's impossible to cook a certain meal in an oven because all you have ever known is this meal being cooked in oil or on a or, or on a frying pan or you've only known it to be cooked a certain way now if you visit me for example and i cook this very thing you only have one way to cook and think there is no other possible way to cook it and you see that it can be cooked in an oven that's a vision that i have cast on you okay so because you have seen that it is possible then you are able to also know that it's doable even if you're not yet able to do it yourself now when we talk about all scripture being given as an inspiration of god and everything in the bible being profitable to you to teach you to instruct you in the ways of righteousness to correct you to give you doctrine all of these things mean there are scriptures that are there that won't necessarily tell you don't put money on the table like a straight instruction like that but there are scriptures that can be cast to you as a vision and then at that time maybe you read it today on monday but it comes in handy one day two weeks down the road or one year down the road or two years down the road because you have seen it with your eyes you have been able to have that vision and to receive it and the spirit of the lord will remind you of that scripture i don't know about you but the spirit of the lord drops scriptures in my spirit sometimes i'm not reading it i've not seen anywhere it's not the verse of the day a new version it's not part of a devotion i've read or written it's it's just nowhere but maybe i came across that line one time when i was just reading the word as part of my routine and the spirit brings it to my mind and i go back and read it and then he starts to teach me some things there for those of you who follow um the instagram page of relentless pursuit i have shared on uh, on the meaning of a word called rema and those are utterances made by the spirit that might not necessarily be written exactly word for word in the bible but have biblical foundation they have a basis they have biblical backing and proof in them to say here is here is the instruction i need for you and this is the word of god that backs it up okay so that becomes rema that you are given by the spirit of the lord in that time but rema can never be against the word of god so even if god whispers to you and says celeste i need you to take exit 1 and then after you have taken exit 1 you'll take a straight road onto the right after you've gotten to the right you'll knock on house 1398 and then you will tell them that i am sent you that instruction might not be written exactly word for word in the bible 
right? But the Lord can give me a scripture like when Jesus tells his disciples, go and then you will see a, a, a cult and you will tell those people that the master needs it, okay? When he comes on a donkey, then they will know, they will know and they will give it to you. Now, he could take me to that scripture. Now, if I think about that scripture and meditate on it and align it to the instruction that's not written in the Bible, but that I'm pretty sure I've heard by the Spirit of the Lord, I have scripture to back it up. So there are things that God will tell you that you can back up by scripture and it will be vindicated and justified whenever you do it. There will be no error. There will be no struggle. There will be no strife. But then there are also another kind of people that are not stable in the ways they divide the word of truth, who will use scripture to justify things that they have already done, but that are against the spirit of the Lord, that grieve the spirit of the Lord. Remember that the Bible tells us that the blessings of the Lord add no shame or sorrow. So the blessings of God come complete. There's never a time where you will get into maybe a marriage with a man who was previously married his wife is still alive they're not yet done with their divorce or they're divorcing for reasons that could you know be counseled and then they go back together and then you're gonna call that a testimony that is shameful and that is sorrowful and you are bringing fixation to your heart and these are the circumstances where we need to allow the word of God to be complete and to do what it was sent for, to be complete for reproof, to be complete for doctrine, to be complete into the instructions of righteousness. Now, as I come to a close, I'll tell you um, that there, there are things that Satan knows because Satan was an end, is also an angel of light. He knows how to, how, to, how to transform into an angel of light, right? And as he is tempting Jesus, he quotes scriptures back to Jesus through, throughout um, even that temptation, right? He quotes scriptures to Jesus, but Jesus responds with other scriptures that are that are not necessarily in agreement with what um, Satan is saying. When you study uh, the book of Luke, for example, there we see an experience where um, Satan, the, the book of Luke, the fourth chapter, sorry, the fourth chapter, starting from like even verse one, right? Um, the Bible tells us that Jesus was full of the Holy Ghost. He returned from the Jordan and he was just being tempted by the devil in the wilderness uh, when he was been, when he had been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. And <clears throat> we read stories of the enemy telling Jesus, who is fully God and fully man, that uh, asking him, for example, throw yourself, right? <laughs> throw yourself down this hill because the Bible says that he will um, ordain angels to help you not even hit your foot on a stone, right? That's Psalm 91. So it's true. Satan is quoting a psalm that exists. He is quoting from scripture. But Jesus tells him such a scripture was not written for somebody who wants to test the Lord. It is also written that you will not test the Lord your God. Okay. 
The Bible says you will not test the Lord your God. So the person for whom the angels will be deployed is the person who falls down that cliff by accident, not the person who does it to prove a point, to test the Lord. You don't do things out of stupidity just to prove a thing. Now, you can look at a story as Elijah calling fire down from the heavens when he's trying to destroy Baal worshippers, gods, right? When he is trying to prove that there's a God in heaven, he's trying to tell these people that you cannot deceive my people any longer because they have a God in heaven. Now, when he says, I'm going to call fire down from heaven, that is to prove a point, yes, but to what end? To the end that many may be saved and come to the saving knowledge of Christ. And that is the only time where you can call unto God to prove a point because the end of it is not in you glorifying yourself. It is not in you testing the Lord, but it is in showing others that there is a God and the best thing you can do is come to his saving knowledge. Okay, so those are the things that we have to keep in mind when we read scripture. How do I rightly divide it? How am I proven against it? And how do I make sure that I do not take scripture out of context to suit my lust, to suit my comfort, and not to teach me into the ways of righteousness? And how do I reflect what I have been studying in the ways that I dress, that I speak, that I talk, that I behave, in all of these things? How do I align myself to this vision? And I pray that this 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 podcast blessed you. I pray that this episode will be something you go back to and 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 weigh your study, your personal time with the Lord by these simple um, principles. Perhaps as the Lord leads, I might share more on this, but this is what is most important. Um, the book of Timothy is a great avenue, is a great um, pact teaching and instruction of how to go about the word of God, how to go about the life, not just of a minister because Timothy is a minister, but also even to the people because it is it is it has always been the church that brought reproach upon itself. It has always been the Christians that do things that make others be like, surely there's no reason why I would want to join this, you know? So let it also be upon us to make sure that our lives are such a wonder. David says it well in the psalm. He says, I'm a wonder unto many because you're my strong refuge. Again, remember what I shared in the previous podcast, that the light of God, the delight of belonging to him and the delight at the thought of him. That's what David means when he says, because you're my strong refuge, because I delight in you, because I delight in belonging to you, because I delight at the thought of you, I have become a wonder unto many. People wonder why I'm so wise to speak. People wonder why I seem to have the answers to the most difficult decisions. People wonder why I could be this young and I'm talking to people like 
10 or 20 or 30 years older and they are understanding what I'm telling them and they trust the capacity of my advice. They trust the legitimacy of what I'm sharing with them because the spirit bears witness with me. The spirit in them, the innate knowledge that they have of God tells them this is right. Take it. Let's pray. Father, I bless your name. I thank you for this word and I pray that it lands in the right ears, that we hear it with the ears of the spirit, that we vision, we envision it with the eyes of the spirit and that we practice it with the hands that you have enabled by your spirit. I thank you that we delight in you, that we delight at the thought of you, and we delight in belonging to you, Lord. I bless every man and woman who is hearing me at this moment, that this word will ignite in them a desire to live according to your good pleasure. I give you praise. I thank you that you hear us when we pray. It is so and cannot be otherwise to the glory of your name. We've prayed and believed. Amen. See you same time. On Monday, you are blessed. This week has conquered for you. You are above and never beneath. You are more than a conqueror and you have all that you need for life and for godliness. Amen.